Hey there, Frontlines listeners. This is Mike letting you know about this week's sponsor, Audible.com. Head over to audiblepodcast.com slash Clone Wars to download your free audiobook. Choose from over 60,000 titles, including a wide array of Star Wars and Clone Wars audiobooks. So head over to audiblepodcast.com slash Clone Wars to start your free trial today. A long time ago, galaxy far, far away, the clone armies of the Republic were spread out across the galaxy, fighting droid armies of the Separatist movement. And from the front lines of the battle comes Frontline, the Clone War podcast, with your host, Michael Cohen. And now, Michael Cohen. Hey, Clone Wars fans, welcome to the 37th episode of Frontline's The Clone Wars podcast. For the episode, The Mandalore Plot. And for those of you who are new to the show, um, I am your co-host, Matt. And leading us, as always, is the creator of Frontlines, the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Cohen. What's going on, Mike? You you, you do me too too much of a service <laughs> with that one. What a uh, fantastic intro that was. There's no mythology. There's no legend here. I'm, no just legend. A guy who, I'm just a guy who likes Star Wars and likes to talk. There it is. And you guys are lucky enough that I decided to record it and you can listen to me. I've been told actually a couple times recently that I have great insight. And I'm like, wow, no more better than half of the other people yeah. that I talk to Star Wars about. But but that's all right. They can, all right. People can believe that if they choose to. <laughs> uh, th- thank you for the, for the gracious intro, though. Wow. That was as much it. appreciated. So uh, we got lots to cover this week, I think. Uh, yeah. So let's just jump right into the news. Let's do that. Looks like uh, I'll start off here. We got uh, some C5 info. Looks like the ticket prices went up already. Um, looks like they claimed that it was some sort of tax they forgot. I don't know if you read the same thing. I didn't um, read the whole article. I just saw that that prices went up. Yeah, it looks like it went up uh, eight dollars for a four four day pass, and then uh, a couple of three dollars for the other ones. But uh, yeah, it was something to do with some kind of tax they had forgotten to implement in the in the beginning. But if you already have your tickets, obviously you're fine. Uh, mm. It's people like me who are still waiting on my vacation bid to yeah. uh, to buy Gosh, tickets. Much. Well, I'm still waiting to hear back from Celebration 5 itself whether or not we oh, can right. get media passes. Right. Now, listeners, uh, I'm going to be sending in an email in the next couple of days, or well, probably like today or tomorrow, to say, uh, as of this recording, to say, hey, how come I haven't heard back? Because they say that you're supposed to hear back within 21 days, and it's now been like two months, um, yeah. or almost two months. We're going on the second month here. Uh, so... You guys want us at at C5 to do coverage, and I know that you guys do because I've gotten emails about it already. So those of you who uh, who who do want us to be there covering, uh, you guys could, should send in emails and say, "Hey, how come how come you're not giving media passes to uh, to Frontlines the Clone Wars podcast? It is the greatest Clone Wars podcast on the internet, Hello, and they should yeah. have media passes. Come on." <laughs> Um, let me see if I've got an email that you guys can send it to. 
Let's flood somebody's stuff. Uh, here he is. Let's see. Actually, I'm going to just really quickly go to the Celebration website. website. Yeah. Celebration, uh, StarWarsCelebration.com, right? So this it. is, yeah. we are pulling back the curtain for you guys. I am doing this as we speak. I just can't do <laughs> this now. This is live. Because, uh, yeah, this is live. This is unedited. <laughs> yeah. You can't stop this from happening. This is the premier Clone Wars podcast on the web. This is what we focus on. So support us. Let them know. We want some passes. We want to get some uh, info for you guys who aren't able to go. Yeah, yeah. We definitely we want to be able to cover it to the best of our ability. And I think that with media passes, we'd be able to do that a little bit better. So um, let's see. On their website, we've got programming events, fan events, which press manager, sales manager, Sales executive, marketing manager, programming director is the one that I've been talking to. Uh, event director. But I don't know. Do you think? I, I would think that press manager would be the person. Probably, I don't know yeah. if that's outgoing press or, or what. That's at lucasfilm.com. Uh, so. Flood them all. Let's see. What I've been told is that Lucasfilm reviews each and every press application that comes in for Star Wars Celebration 5. Uh, and and uh, most of the time they get back to you in 21 days, but not all the time. And, and I applied right before the holidays. So my guess would be that Chris Argyropoulos, I hope I'm saying his, his last name right, uh, he is the press manager and pod racer, according to uh, the Star Wars Celebration site. His email is chris.com argyropolis at lucasfilm.com I, I don't even know if that's his real last name or if that just so that he doesn't get a lot of emails so because his name's so difficult to spell i'm gonna spell this out <laughs> yeah. so grab your pens and papers ladies and gentlemen it's an interactive podcast this week <laughs> so that's chris c-h-r-i-s dot a-r-g-y-r-o-p-o-u-l O S at lucasfilm.com. So uh, I would say flood his inbox. You guys, you know what? Mr. Steve Glosson, he can uh, he can get his his listening audience to uh, to bug the heck out of uh, the first cast to get him on there, and you know he he can mobilize them to do all sorts of stuff. But we have the more active forum. So let's show Steve and everybody at Geek Out Loud that we are way better fans of, of well, just Star Wars in general, because this isn't really about us as much as it is just about us being able to bring you guys the news you want to hear. Uh, so let's, let's, let's show them that we're more awesome than them <laughs> by, uh, by, by mobilizing and getting them to approve our press pass. And then, and then, well, then we don't have to pay. Uh, but we also, hey, it's, okay. it's not, it's not so much about paying because I know for both me and Matt, uh, as long as we can both get down there, um, that's not like the price of the the four day pass is not an issue. Like no, no. that doesn't even matter to me. I'll pay that hundred, 
what is it? It's 128 now. It's one, yeah, 128 for. Oh, I, I will pay that. I don't mind. 128 bucks isn't that much money yeah. for what you're getting. So, totally worth it to pay it, and we would. But I'm fairly certain that with press passes, we will get. You know, it just it just lends that much more credibility when we go to do you know. I want to do an interview or something, yeah, and stuff like that. We're like, look, we're not just schmucky fans. We're press, right? right? We have the premier Clone Wars podcast on the internet. I mean, the only the only person who shows up sooner than us is the Force Cast, and that's because they don't have I they don't have a specific feed for their. For their uh, Clone Wars roundtable, they just—it's just in the Force Cast feed, uh, and all we do, obviously, is general Star Wars news, like important stuff you guys need to know, like C5 stuff, uh, a little bit of video games every now and then, and then Clone Wars and our recaps. I mean, yeah, we don't do a heck of a lot, and yet we compete with them. So, so I think if they're getting press passes, we should certainly be getting press passes, and I'm sure that they are getting press passes. Oh yeah, so, definitely. So let's uh, let's mobilize on that. You guys mobile. You guys have been awesome on the boards and on Facebook lately. Like yeah, Facebook is blowing up. It's yeah. been awesome. You guys are all over that. So that is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 uh, let's put it to work, and uh, and we can then report for you guys and give you guys the skinny on what's going down at C five. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I just discovered that Ustream has an application for the iPhone. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So we will totally be able to live stream with Ustream on the iPhone yeah. from C5. Like, that will happen when we are there. So if you guys ensure that we can get our interviews, you know, like how much would you guys enjoy a live stream with Matt Lanter or James Arnold Taylor or... Dave Filoni, you know, because yeah. if we can grab them and we can do a live stream right there, then that's all the better, right? So, okay. all right, well, let's move, on to the, let's move on to the next piece of news. Yeah, let's do that. Go ahead, Mike. This piece is about George Lucas and this CGI musical fairy movie that everybody is talking about. Musical uh, fairies? If, what the heck is yeah, going if, on? If you haven't heard, if you are not in the know... Uh, recently, on a couple of blogs, news was posted that uh, Lucasfilm Animation is... Well, actually, it's not specifically Lucasfilm Animation yet. All we know is that they're working at Skywalker Ranch in Marin County on some animated fairy musical computer animated movie. It's not being directed by Lucas, but he is producing it. Hmm. Uh, so it will be a Lucasfilm production. Um Kevin Monroe is directing, and he directed the CGI uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yes. Uh, that was titled TMNT. So, uh, I mean, he's a great director. Kevin Monroe is awesome. Uh, that TMNT movie is great and has one of the best fight sequences in a computer animated movie. Oh, yeah. Sort of maybe some of that stuff in Clone Wars. Uh, but. My guess is that this is that Lucasfilm animation project that we were hearing about, that we've talked about before, saying, okay. hey, it sounds like Lucasfilm is working on something else. Could it be another Star Wars series? Could it be uh, Indiana Jones, like a anima computer animated Indiana Jones? And I think that we've got our answer now. I think that this is that, this fairy movie. Yeah, and it's, it's musical. 
probably not going to go over too well, too, because we all thought it was going to be, like you yeah. said, Indiana Jones or maybe another Star Wars. Yeah, or maybe type. more Star Wars. Or something. I heard something about Galactic Hero type uh, show. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I don't know. Fairies. I don't remember any fairies in uh, Star Wars. So <laughs> No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll see. Uh, and this is this is a movie, not a uh, not a TV series or anything. So. There could still be another TV series out there in production. Like, who knows? We'll, we'll find out more whenever that's released, and we'll let you guys know. But this just makes me think this that's why all of those rumblings were about. So, um, I mean, this isn't the first time that George Lucas has produced something other than a Star Wars or an Indiana Jones film. Uh, as everybody knows, uh, Willow is a Lucasfilm production. And what most people don't know is that Howard the Duck was produced by George Lucas. I don't think that it has the Lucasfilm emblem on it, um, but that's probably out of uh, <laughs> that was yeah. probably on purpose. They tried. Uh, Everybody's trying to forget that one. Yeah, because Howard the Duck is not the greatest of movies. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I mean he's produced TV. We know that, but but yeah. So it, this is but this is the first thing that he's produced in a while other than star wars as as a film at least uh we know we've got red tails coming up but that's a television miniseries right i'm fairly sure that's what i'm uh yeah yeah i think it is yeah i was pretty sure that it's a miniseries so um so yeah we'll keep you guys posted on that uh you know if if you guys are interested my phone just made a noise hey you got an email <laughs> just got an email yeah maybe, maybe that's that, uh, maybe that's c5 hey what do you know yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, we'll keep you guys we'll keep you guys up to date on that. So let's jump into collecting news because we've got two very big collecting news pieces that are equally awesome. Well, yeah. maybe not equally, but they're both awesome. One is substantially more awesome than the other, though. Yeah. Uh, and the more awesome one, I'm not going to leave it till last. Let's leave the best for first. Okay. Uh, and go the Boba Fett voice changer helmet. Yeah. Uh, JediNews.co.uk uh, got an exclusive reporting on this. Um, somebody from Hasbro tipped them off. There have been rumors flying around about this being a possibility for the next uh, voice changer helmet, and it's here now. Uh, well, it's not out yet, but we know that it's coming. And uh, we've got a picture of it here that that Matt and I are looking at, and it looks pretty awesome. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the helmets are obviously, um, me, myself, being part of the 501st, as far as uh, screen accurate, not quite, yeah. but it's pretty close. I mean, the visor is a little bigger, but it's got it has to be that way because kids have to see through it. For visibility and visibility, such. Yeah. Like they, there's, there's rules and regulations and laws and stuff like that around kids' toys. Um, a lot of them, which is why you'll see certain things like larger visors so that they can see right. on, because uh, they did the same thing with the uh, with the clone trooper helmet, right? It had right. a much larger visor. Right. Um, but it looks good. Later, it had really big eyes. It yeah. looks awesome. Yeah, it's it got the dentist. It looks like more of a cartoon version. Mm -hmm. So if anybody was going to do like an animated Boba Fett from the holiday special. I would suggest using this helmet over the regular helmet because it's just kind of with the bigger visor and everything. It's just got this more cartoony feel. Right. Um, and look forward to repaints of this. I'm sure that we're going to get a, a pre Vizsla or pre Vizsla yeah. 
Death Watch repaint. If not, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to get this and do that. Oh, just uh, themselves, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that we're going to see a lot of Death Watch Mandalorians showing up in the next little while with uh, with this latest episode of Clone Wars this past week. Oh yeah. But I uh, yeah, like this this man, this helmet looks pretty cool. And you know how much you've got the Jango Fett helmet, right? Uh, mine is actually it's a uh, I do it's a uh, it's a it's its own mold. It's it's out of uh, it's, fiberglass. It's one of the ones. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, but so we do have we do have the uh, we have the Darth Vader one we have the clone uh, Rex one and then we have the uh, Transformers Optimus Prime. So as okay. far as the changing goes, you know they work fairly well. Have you ever tried one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, when the first Darth Vader one came out, I was working at Toys R Us at the time, okay. so I would wear that while I was working. <laughs> I would just throw it on every once in a while and just be like, just talk to kids and be like, "Hey, how's it going? I'm Darth Vader." Uh, and it was pretty fun. And that one had the whole chest piece and everything as well, and it yeah, still yeah. fit. So with this one and the Clone Trooper one, it has no chest piece. It's just it's got buttons on the side of the helmet, um, which faces. is much better for us crazy adults who want to wear children's toys on our heads. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm probably going to pick this one up. Yeah, it's probably going to have the, uh, the phrases as well. Yeah, and I'm... Just curious as to, I'm sure it's going to be the uh, the uh, new voice. The DVD uh, to yeah. Morrison. Or as close as they can come to it. I mean, it's obviously not exactly the same. But but no, it's it's weathered really nice. Uh, the colors are fairly close. It's got the dent. So it's, well, it's probably big... more than likely the one who does the voices for, for something like this and for, for the Clone Trooper helmet is D. Bradley Baker because he's the voice double for Probably, yeah. Yeah. For Django and Boba and the clones, anyways. So, uh, it's got that Clone Wars connection to it. Yeah. Um, the other item that we that we need to talk about, this is way more Clone Wars connected, is the General Grievous spinning electronic lightsaber. And uh, this thing looks pretty cool too. Instead of just being one lightsaber, it's kind of it's this circular handle. That you so it's sort of it's a circle and it's got a bar through the middle of it that's the handle that you hold on to, and somewhere on there is a button, and then on either end of the circle you've got lightsabers sticking out. So you hold down the button and it spins. Right. Lightsaber spins. So I I think what they're what they're driving at is giving kids the ability to get two of these, put one in either hand, and uh, and show up. To, to their friend who's got the Obi-Wan lightsaber and just start spinning those things and walking <laughs> yeah. towards it. Uh, I think this is a really cool idea because it, it's just one of those role play things that you know I'm sure every kid has tried to take two lightsabers, stick them together and spin them around as fast as they can so that they're like General Grievous. Right. But now they can do it. Yep. Now, now uh, Hasbro has figured out a way for lightsaber battles to be even more dangerous for kids. <laughs> yeah, really. So uh, yeah. I, I'm all for this. this like great, when, yeah. when the, I'm surprised that the that the spring-loaded lightsabers are still out because I thought within like months that would be like they would be recalled because some kid would get his eye taken out with it. Yeah. But you know uh, those those young Star Wars fans they are uh, they they're they're very precise. They're, they're more elegant, let's say. <laughs> 
to bring yeah. it back. To hey, it's not a lightsaber fight unless somebody gets hurt, you know. Yeah, unless somebody loses an arm, right? Yeah, especially in my house, you know. You got, you got to get pretty hard. My son yeah. came over and he he said the same thing. He goes, "Man, I got, can I get that, Dad?" I said, "Well, it's not out yet, but we'll we'll work on that." It's got blue on one side and green on the other side. Yeah, and they detach, so you can hold them yeah. as two separate lightsabers, or you can put them on this spinning handle and spin them around. I, I just think it was really cool because they've been putting out these toy lightsabers since I was like, well, I mean, they've been putting out the toy lightsabers since before I was born. Yeah. Uh, since since you were a young kid. Yes, way back. Lights. But Hasbro's been doing these same sort of lightsabers for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, uh, since, since just before episode one. And... Uh, and there's nothing really been that exciting to change with them other than, you know, they started doing the spring-loaded ones a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, but other than that, they've been pretty standard, right? Oh, yeah. Definitely. So now to I'm see them doing that. some new things, like they had the they had the dual lightsaber that had, like, the... Short one, yeah. Yeah, the little one that comes out the, that you can shoot out the bottom and you can turn it into, like, a double-sided or you can have two lightsabers. Right. So it's cool that they're just doing new stuff. It's, yeah. It's just nice to see that. Yeah. So that's that's all of our collecting news. Uh, so let's get into the recap for uh, the Mandalore plot. All right, let's head on over there. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight in the same as your father. My name's Rex. But you'll call me Captain or Sir. I make the rules now. I'm Ahsoka Tano. Jedi scum. For eight hundred years have I trained Jedi. Okay, here we go with the recap of the Mandalore plot. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi stirs his Jedi starfighter across the seared and barren surface of, of Mandalore to the doomed city of Sundari, passing through a cube-like entryway to land amid the advanced surroundings of the high-tech capital. A short, automated transport trip later, Kenobi arrives at the gleaming palace of the Duchess, where he is kindly met by Mandalorian Prime Minister Almec. Almec immediately tries to dispel rumors surrounding Mandalore. He firmly states, its violent past has been swept away, replaced by a devotion to pacifism instilled by Duchess Satine. The warriors of the past were exiled to the moon of Concordia and died out years ago. Okay, so we're going to get right into this. Here we go. (laughs) Right off the bat. Yeah. All of the naysayers, including myself, can shut up now. Yeah. Because we're on Mandalore. It's the first time we've ever seen it, seen it, right? Right. Um, And they just address everything. In that first paragraph, Just get it all out. Episode, there you go. Yeah. It has all been addressed. Yes, the Mandalorians have died out, but it's still a planet. There's still people living on it. But the Mandalorians, as a warrior race of people, they've they've died out, according to what is known by the general galaxy. So here's where we get into the whole Star Wars myth, uh, legend. You know the the storytelling mechanism sure. that we get that that allows us to retcon easily. Um, the general galaxy obviously doesn't know that there are Mandalorian warriors still running around out there. That there's the Death Watch, 
and Boba Fett and Jango Fett, which that gets addressed as well in a little bit of a controversial uh, way later on. Uh, but, yeah. but it's right here. The warriors of the past were exiled to the moon of Concordia and died out years ago. According to the Mandalorians, according to the people who live on Mandalore, that's the case. And on Mandalore, we saw it was mostly humans, but they they all seem to have a very similar uh, a very similar look. I mean, and not just fashion. They all kind of had like this silver hair. Yeah, yeah. It was very common that they all had like this blonde to silver hair color. So they definitely do have like a they're they're, they're a race, not in the sense that they're another species, but that they're another race of human beings. Just like, uh, like, Mace Windu is from. Uh, oh, I shouldn't have started that without knowing the planet. <laughs> uh, what's the planet that's in, that's in Shatterpoint? It's like right on the tip of my tongue. I was hoping it would pop out when I got to the end of that sentence, but it didn't. Gustavus yeah. um, or something like that. No. Oh man, I cannot remember right now. Anyways, uh, the planet that Mace Windu is from. It's like this jungle planet, and and uh, he is like he's a member of a very specific race of humans that have come from that planet. You know, like humans have have uh, colonized the galaxy. Essentially, uh, they're everywhere, and but then they start to become different races uh, depending on the planet. So when I say Mandalorians, I'm not referring to like Boba Fett. Or uh, any of this other stuff, like like uh, like Django, or even the Death Watch, or any of that, I'm referring to just people from Mandalore. You know, right. just like I'm a Canadian, but you know, if there were, I don't know, Canadian, I'm not like I'm a Canadian, but I'm not the Canadian that you guys think Canadians are. <laughs> Let's say it that way. Yeah. That it's just a misconception that, and a generalization. And quite honestly, I like you could go as far as saying. This is just a racist belief that people in the Star Wars galaxy have that everyone from Mandalore is a warrior, that everybody from Mandalore wants to fight. And that's what, like, Duchess Satine is saying, says later, you know, we're not all like that. Some of us are pacifists. Right. Some of us don't believe in war. And, uh, and she says some pretty crazy things to, to Obi-Wan to sort of put him in his place for being a... Uh, a combatant in this war and not a peacekeeper so I just think that like this puts to rest a lot of the stuff not all of it there are still issues there is still the fact that Karen Travis wrote a lot of stuff and, it, and a lot of it has been disregarded right. but a lot of it has also been acknowledged um, Concordia is obviously I mean in uh, there's a podcast on StarWars.com. If you go to the episode description and you go down into, I think, the trivia part of the episode description, there is a, a Q&A that Dave Filoni did at, uh, at the Presidio, at their um, the one that they've got in San Francisco or just outside San Francisco. Right. That's where the they, where, yeah, the Presidio, where he does all of the work on on the Clone Wars, they did like a press and special public screening right. of Last Monday. this episode along with, and then they also showed uh, Landing at Point Rain. And, uh, and he did a Q&A in between the two episodes and just sort of talked about 
how they came to all of this Mandalorian stuff because I, I think that he knew that this was a big deal. Like he knows, like he oh, hears yeah. from everyone yeah. that, that this stuff happens. I mean, he's in tune with the force cast and they have the same sort of stuff to say as we do. I mean, you know, they, they've got all kinds of opinions over there. So I'm sure that they've discussed it, which means that at some point it's gotten back to Dave Filoni that the fa- some of the fans are not exactly pleased with, Mandalorian showing up so I think he was addressing it and he addressed the fact that yeah he did take into consideration and the writers did take into consideration a lot of the stuff that Karen Travis had written Um, and you know they can't please everybody and they've got to tell the stories that they've got to tell uh, according to them and I mean like this is just their perspective Um, so these things were adapted into it the the concordian dialect the 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 language that they speak is taken uh, it's heavily influenced her, by right? the Man, yeah mandoa that uh, that karen travis created so um they didn't disregard her work they just didn't exactly stick to it um i think that the where the problem arises is that now this story is the official story. This is the this official is oh, yeah. route yeah. for the Star Wars galaxy yeah. uh, until another episode or a movie or something else of higher G-level canon comes along to trumpet. But um, I don't know. I think we've kind of labored the point on this with the last few episodes talking about how this is coming up and how the Mandalorians are kind of going to screw everything up. Um and we just have to accept it now. This is the way that it is. This is not how I would have liked Mandalore to look. This is not the Mandalore that I had in my mind. Um, I'm starting to understand the perspective of some of the older Star Wars fans who had had years and years and years to figure out what the Clone Wars were. And I didn't really have that, like, you know, being younger and then having only gotten into Star Wars when I was 10. Um, it was only about five years later. Uh, four actually that episode one came out so I didn't really have a long time to formulate what I thought the Clone Wars and what what the prequels would be so I was happy with them Uh, but I have had the last you know 15 years to decide what a Mandalorian culture would look like and I've also been influenced a lot by stuff like the Karen Travis novels and uh, a couple of comic books and you know uh, the the Star Wars Bounty Hunter video game on, on the GameCube but right. they obviously can't take all that stuff into into uh, mind when they do this. this and a lot of this stuff came directly from George Lucas. He wanted Mandalore to have this cubist everything to be squares like that was that was his thing he wanted it to be like that right so, can you argue with the maker? I don't know. You could try. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, it is he does own it. It is his. Yeah. Uh, you can agree with his methods or not. You can't change them. So. Yeah. So maybe at this point we should put it to rest and just accept it. Yeah, I came into it. Um, I don't read a lot of the EU. I mean, I read one comic book and a few books here and there. So, you know, I'm cool with. I'm cool with what they did. I know there's people that are, obviously this whole series is going to cause a lot of debate, but uh, 
you know, it, it's going to be fine. You know, it, it talks about their past. So they obviously they've had a past and apparently a fairly violent past. Um, but all of those have been exiled to Concordia. And uh, Mandalore now is just, they're trying to be a peace, peaceful uh, nation. And then that's actually why uh, Obi-Wan comes to Mandalore. He is he's sent there by the Jedi Council. Yeah. Uh, because they're, uh, you know, supposedly Satine is uh, building her own army to fight with the Separatists. So that's why uh, Obi-Wan's coming over there to talk to her. And obviously they've had a past together just from the way they talk and from what we already know. But yeah. That's kind of what's going on. And, you know, like I said, I'm fine with it. Uh, whatever they do, I, it's not going to taint me because I really don't know much besides Boba Fett and Jango Fett. So, uh, and then yeah. actually this Prime Minister Almec, they, they quickly talk about Jango Fett. Uh, Obi-Wan brings him up. And uh, Almec kind of just dismisses it like, oh, yeah, he's just a comic bounty hunter. But I think he was kind of downplaying that a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think that a lot of that is political, and and some people I know are going to get up in arms at the fact that they're kind of saying that um, that maybe Django wasn't actually a Mandalorian, right? Yeah, that he just sort of took on that guise, um, and he's not an official Mandalorian. Um, I think that that's more so coming from the fact that they're trying to say, look, the Mandalorians have been like the Mandalorian warriors have been dead for oh yeah yeah a generation or whatever so saying that Django fed is one of them he's not he can't be because there aren't any um obviously later on in the episode i don't think it's a spoiler at this point to say that guess what they're not right. yeah. <laughs> that they are still kicking around and they've just been really quiet about it um just biding their time a lot like the sith right they have a very similar history to the sith they fought with the jedi they were almost wiped out by the jedi uh, and then to just sort of hide in the shadows and, and wait until they could come back. And I think that that's what we're seeing now is that they, they're they planning their resurgence into the galaxy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay, though Almec reaffirms Mandalore's loyalty to the Republic, Obi-Wan cannot ignore the holographic evidence he carries. When Satine arrives, Kenobi produces the proof a recording of an armored Mandalorian saboteur who took his own life rather than be captured by the Republic. Satine cannot believe what she sees and remains wary of Obi-Wan's investigation, which Kenobi insists is on behalf of the Jedi Council and not the Republic government. Satine's discomfort stems from the traditional Mandalorian isolationism, as well as an undisclosed past connection with Kenobi. So there was a couple things that I was trying to figure out uh, as far as this portion of the show is uh, the holographic evidence that Obi-Wan carries. I'm trying to figure out what that Mandalore was doing out there. I, mean, I guess he said he was uh, you know, fighting against the uh, Republic, but he, him out there by themselves, it kind of wasn't really clear yeah. what, what that was, you know. Um, and then, of course, uh, I think Obi-Wan says something about uh, he remembers fighting uh, not remembers but he knows of the commandos or the, uh, the Mandalorians fighting in uh, against the Jedi back in the Old Republic so there's a direct uh, reference to the Old Republic in this as well yeah I don't know if you remember there's a, there's a couple actually yeah, yeah. 
Uh, let's see. Kenobi and Satine continue their discussions as they stroll through a peace park. Satine admits that not all Mandalore are adapting well to their bold new visions of peace. A splinter group of renegades called Death Watch has cropped up, based on the Concordian moon, seeking to return Mandalore to its warrior ways. Satine believes Death Watch merely to be a group of hooligans, but at a secret camp on Concordia, a far different picture arises. Inside a military camp, a helmeted Mandalorian warrior holographically communicates with Count Dooku. The warrior commander is perturbed by the arrival of the Jedi. The Separatists have promised to support the Death Watch in their overthrow of Satine's government. Dooku advises patience. The more the Republic intervenes in Mandalorian politics, the easier it will be for Death Watch to emerge as a liberator of the people. Okay. I do not understand why the arrival of this Jedi doesn't upset you. You promised to support the Death Watch forces so we could overthrow the Duchess Satine and her weak, peace-loving government. And I intend to keep my promise. But how? If the Republic interferes now, Death Watch will not be able to take over the planet. Consider, once the Senate orders peacekeeping troops to Mandalore, the people will be surrounded by a military presence most distasteful. They will rebel. And rally to Death Watch. Our insurgency will grow stronger. Yes, and Duchess Satine shall fall. A couple of things here again, Mike, that I wanted to bring up. And, you know, it starts off with uh, Satine talking about the Death Watch. Um, mm -hmm. So here we go. That's uh, direct from the EU right there. And she calls them uh, like renegades or hooligans. And uh, she's, you know, she's telling Obi-Wan, yeah, I will have him in custody. Um, but I think she's kind of downplaying just how dangerous this Death Watch is um, as far as the first part here. And then we get, we get Dooku back. Um, we've seen him again uh, in, with the holographic form here. Talking to, it's obviously the leader of the Death Watch here. Uh, Vizsla, yeah. as we find out, or the pre-Vizsla. Um, and we kind of find out what's a little bit more what's going on here. We find out that uh, Doku's basically saying that once the Senate orders uh, troops into Mandalore uh, to keep the peace, um, and then all the the citizens of Mandalore are going to be surrounded by this military presence, they're going to, you know, they're not going to like this and they're going to rebel. And hopefully, their their goal is to have them rally around the Death Watch, and then that in turn will kick out, uh, or they can take out uh, Satine. So that's the plan, yeah. and uh, it, we'll get into this a little bit later, where Satine talking to uh, uh, the head of the Mandalore, and I can't remember his, what they call him. Uh, we'll get to it in a minute, though, but uh, yeah, we kind of see that uh, um, how they're going to rally around the Death Watch and how Satine's going to be yeah. taken out, so We'll get into that in a minute, though. But I don't know if you wanted to comment on that scene right there. No, I think you pretty much said everything. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's 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 Dooku doing what he does best, right? Uh, sort of hiding in plain sight. Like, let's just let this happen uh, instead of worrying about it. We'll just let the the thing that you know we're worried about come to pass and use it to our advantage instead of you know yeah. thinking oh man jedi we need to kill them like that would be the 
the first inclination, obviously. Um, but he's like, no, 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 this works. And this, this shows the way that a Sith works, right? And, and he should know that he can't trust Sidious because if this is the sort of plan that Dooku's coming up with, Sidious is going to be even worse, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. We obviously see that in episode three when he just lets Anakin kill him. Um, and that was the plan the whole time, that Dooku would serve his purpose and at a certain time would be given up. Just like uh, just like Darth Maul was, right. just like uh, Grievous, you know, like Palpatine is not interested in saving the lives of his his uh, apprentices. He's more interested in just winning. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, just like that final objective, and uh, and Dooku is right now more interested in just that final objective of sowing dissent in the Republic to rally more systems to his cause, right? Because he knows that once the Mandalorians, like that once Death Watch takes over Mandalore, that Mandalore will then join the Separatists. And that's where he's looking. So he's like five steps ahead of where, where the Death Watch is at. So, yeah, just rallying more, more, uh, high gunned warriors, if you will, or some some really good warriors to their cause. So, yeah, yeah. we find out. Um, at the park on Mandalore, the peaceful day is suddenly shattered by an explosion that rocks the memorial shrine. Satine and Obi-Wan are shaken, as are many civilian victims. Guards try to secure the area, and Kenobi spots the holographic mark of the Death Watch floating above the bomb site. Kenobi tries to collect all the witnesses, but one Mandalorian makes a break for it, revealing his guilt. Obi-Wan chases the bomber to a dead-end platform. The desperate terrorist fires at Kenobi with a hand blaster, but Obi-Wan deflects the blast, knocking the weapon from the criminal's hand. The terrorist then leaps over the balcony, plunging to his shocking death. With his dying breath, he reaffirms his loyalty to the Death Watch. So this was a pretty pretty intense scene right here. We actually get a suicide. Yeah, yeah, PG... PG-13. Yeah. <laughs> Parental guidance is definitely, <laughs> definitely recommended on this yeah. one. Uh, yeah, this guy just leaps backwards off of this uh, off oh. this balcony and just belly flops. Well, back Backflop, flops. Yeah. On, the, on, on the glass, which is so cool that they're walking on these glass, oh, yeah. sort of these raised glass uh, floors. And when he hits it, it, it just, it doesn't shatter. It just cracks. It just, it looked very, very cool. It, it was, uh, it was definitely artistic, yeah. let's say. It could have been, you know, your average everyday, you know, I don't know, yeah. sacrificial jump off of a balcony. Yeah. But, uh, but they decided to, you know, dress it up and make it a little bit more, Visually interesting. Yeah, the uh, the explosion actually caught me off guard too. Uh, it yeah. was a, it was a kind of a good shock there. You know, they're walking in and then boom. Plus, I had my stereo on pretty loud, so it hit pretty hard. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and we get to hear some of the uh, the dialect that you were referring to earlier. Um, as this guy uh, plunges backwards, yeah. we get to hear some of the dialect. And Obi Wan asks yeah. her what asks the team what he said, but. Uh, she doesn't really say anything. She just says, uh, I don't even know if she says anything. She doesn't say what he said, but uh, we... No, she just says that he was talking in Concordian, a Concordian dialect, yeah. 
dialect or their language or whatever. Uh, Obi-Wan chases the... Uh, let's see how he did that. Obi-Wan is determined to go to Concordia to seek out Death Watch. It is a separate province, independent of Mandalore's government, however, and Kenobi will have to be escorted by the Duchess. Since he is alone... Uh, since he alone is not likely to be welcomed, having just been involved in the death of a Concordian. A private shuttle departs from Mandalore and lands on the moon of Concordia, a forested world healing from the deep scars of strip mining. Landing within a governmental complex, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Duchess Satine disembark and are greeted by, gov- by the governor, Prey Vizsla. Was it Prey or Pre? Uh, I thought I it was Pre, but I could be wrong. Is it Pre? Okay. Uh, Pre Vizsla and his guards. Vizsla is one of the officials that Satine describes as attempting to root out Death Watch. Kenobi and Satine bring with them the body of the bomber, which Vizsla and his troops take into possession. Just a quick note, uh, John Favreau, director of Iron Man and the upcoming Iron Man 2, and an actor in his own right, is he plays uh, he plays pre-Vizsla. And, uh, and quite well, I have to say. I, I love it when they do the stunt casting, but they do yeah. it so well because he's got a very uh like he's he's kind of got a little bit of a lisp i guess yeah but it's not it's not like it's not a really heavy one and it's not the kind that you're like oh he sounds goofy it's just character in his voice you know um and uh and he's almost got a little bit of a british affectation with this character that he's putting onto it that Makes him sound very official, yeah. but then when he's he's sort of doing the Batman move, right? Like the the Christian Bale. Well, I guess it's just all the actors who play Batman. <laughs> yeah, they sort of put on that that menacing voice when they put the mask on, yeah. right? So when he's got the helmet on, he's got a little bit which different. I, yeah, we, which we see in a little bit. He's got this little bit of a different voice. So when he takes the helmet off, it's a bit of a surprise. Yeah. That, uh, that that free is in fact the leader of the Death Watch. Yeah, I, I uh, when the when the trailer first came out for season two, it was pretty obvious that that was going to be him playing it. And uh, sometimes you you get these actors that come in, and sometimes it doesn't work. And it, it seems to be working with Vizsla. He, he does a good job with it. And there's a couple of videos yeah. on Star Wars showing him uh, behind the scenes, and he looks to be a pretty big yeah. fan. Uh, obviously, you know. Yeah, and and he's a very serious actor. Oh, yeah. That's is that people don't realize that because he generally plays goofy uh, comic sidekicks and that sort of thing Um, but he is a very serious actor and he takes his craft very seriously and uh, and Dave Filoni talks in um, I think in that in that podcast about how uh, Favreau took like 25 takes to get he has a speech a little bit later on about the dark saber and where that where the Mandalorians got that from and stealing it from the Jedi during the fall of the Republic, yeah. and uh, and he did that like twenty five times to get it right, to get it just right, and uh, and that's the sort of thing that that I personally like to hear in a guest starring character. Yeah, is that you know it's oh, some of the stuff that happened in season one was a little bit disappointing. Like we got James Marsters, who I personally think is awesome like i love him everything he's ever done um even even torchwood which i don't like torchwood i think is a terrible series 
but his character on Torchwood is very well played. Like he's just a great actor. He was awesome as Brainiac on Smallville, and obviously yeah. as Spike on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But he was not used for the Clone Wars. He was in one episode and died. Yeah. You know, like and just stuff like that. Thinking back to season one, stuff like that really bugs me. But then we've got uh, we had uh, George Takei. George Come in and play. Yeah. Uh, 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 who was he? Locked. He was Locked. Yeah. 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 Um, I always get Locked Dirt and Locked Dog mixed up because they have the same yeah. name, pretty much. Um, but I mean, he was an amazing guest star for those two episodes. He was, or for that one episode, he comes into the second half of that, yeah. and he, he was awesome. I mean, they have to bring him back at some point because he is just so great as that character um and it's nice to see that they i think that they learned from that in the first season and are going you know what if we're gonna bring somebody in if we're gonna bring in heavy hitters let's bring them in for more than than one episode yeah let's bring them in so that they can really be a part of this and that we can use them to their full advantage instead of just you know because you can get matt lanter or or james arnold taylor or uh, like Corey burton who does ridiculous Crazy awesome voices. I mean, he's, he's all over. Yeah. Cat Bane. He's uh, uh, Zero. Zero. Dooku. You know, yeah, he's Count Dooku, and he does. And each one of them is a completely unique voice. Um, you know, he could he can do those one-off character parts and that sort of thing. And so can James Arnold Taylor, who can do amazing things that you would not expect him to be able to do. Yeah. Um, like Fred Flintstone and. Uh, uh, he's the voice of Ratchet in the Ratchet and Clank video games. Like, you know, these, these guys are really talented, so use them for that stuff. And then when you get a really cool, unique character, bring in someone like John Favreau to, yeah. to sort of beef it at up, home, you know? Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I think uh, I saw, when they bring in Mark Hamill, which has got to happen. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. They got to bring him in as like a character that's going to stick around for a while. You yeah. Yeah. And just a, a side note, it, the reason I think it's Pre Vizsla is uh, they. I, it was read where I read this on the internet. Um, they're talking uh, like it's the same thing as like a preeminent. So that's where I got that from. So I just assumed it was Pre. Okay. So. Um, Speak. Well, there's another guy with the name uh, Vizsla, Tor Vizsla, who was the leader of the Death Watch. Right. So, right. Right. Um, and I, I think that was in like one of the comics or something i don't know i've got it here on Wikipedia. yeah uh, yeah he was the leader of the death watch in um, in the comic book about Django fett i think in uh what was it open, open season yeah. yeah that was his first appearance and then he's mentioned in a few of the uh republic commando novels yeah. order 66 and imperial commando so that name sort of holds another meaning, uh, the Vizsla the name. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly sure it was pre as well. I just... You never know. I'm terrible. <laughs> I Once I've read it a certain way, I just sort it, yeah. of... My, it just sticks in my yeah. brain, yeah. Um, as Vizsla leaves the, to attend the body, Kenobi sneaks away. He asks Satine to cover for her while he undertakes an investigation. Obi-Wan passes on a strip streptitious earpiece to Satine so they can keep in contact and borrows a speeder bike from the hangar, zipping away into the countryside. 
At dinner with the governor, Satine covers for Kenobi's absence by claiming he's meditating. Kenobi's reconnaissance leads him to a seemingly abandoned mine shaft, but inside it is full of recently tended machinery. Further snooping uncovers a conveyor belt lined with Mandalorian rocket packs and helmets. An armored Mandalorian warrior attacks Obi-Wan. The spry fist fighter knocks Kenobi's lightsaber from his grip. A second Mandalorian joins him and kicks Obi-Wan unconscious. So we got a cool little fight scene here, and, and I just have to mention that I, I love the fact that, and I wouldn't expect them to, to deviate from this, but the blaster fire is exactly the same as we heard in, from uh, Django and uh, Attack um, yeah, it's, it sounds the and, same. And uh, yeah. Obi-Wan, of course, has fought, in, or fought a uh, Django before. So, But this time he's going against two, and he, and he gets his lightsaber knocked away. So uh, they yeah. make pretty quick work of him and uh, stomp him on the end, at the end there. So uh, At Vizsla's residence, the two Mandalorian officials partake in refreshments and share administrative concerns. Satine is troubled that someone within the Republic is spreading rumors about Death Watch infiltrating the Mandalorian government. Visa speculates that Death Watch is being aided by a powerful separatist influence that is specifically targeting, targeting Satine. Okay. Someone is feeding misinformation directly to the Republic Senate, saying that the Death Watch is taking over Mandalore. Who stands to gain from these lies? Death Watch, of course. They could not engineer all this. The problem has clearly grown much larger than we thought. And I suspect some external force helped it along. Hard to believe. It would have to be someone at the highest level of influence among the Separatists. But why target me? You lead the Council of Neutral Systems. Thus you threaten the Separatist goals. Take it as a compliment. Someone very powerful is working toward your downfall. talked about this a little bit earlier mike um here she is talking to visla and uh again I, I think she knew she really knows more than what she told kenobi because um, here she's talking mm-hmm. to visa about you know it's things are getting out of hand and then she talks about this quote unquote external force helping uh, the problem and you know I, this is where i again i thought she was talking about due to uh obviously she doesn't know who it is but i think we can finally uh pretty much guess that it is dooku uh, behind all this, and she, you know, she talks about a high level of influence with the separatists. So that's where I'm thinking it's Dooku. I don't know if you think it's anybody else or something else going on there. No, I think I think that she's just picking up on the fact that Dooku is obviously pulling the strings here. That that there's a larger force at work um, than just a group of warriors. That this is not. This isn't the type of move that Death Watch or that, that the Mandalorian warrior race is probably known for. They, um, I would imagine, from what we know of Mandalorians, that they're sort of the, you know, shoot first, ask questions later type of operators. Right, yeah. and, they're, and that's not how they're operating. They're operating through rumor and innuendo and, and with all of these shadowy, covert things i mean obviously we see that at the beginning where where uh pre is speaking to dooku and he's sort of saying look i should just kill the jedi and dooku's saying no no no, just yeah. chill out Relax. wait bide your time <laughs> and attack when the time is right you know 
Uh, and that's not their style. That's not the Mandalorian style. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's all she's picking up on. Is that she just realizes, look, there's something going on here. This doesn't fit. Death Watch is clearly involved in this, but they're not the ones behind it. And uh, and right, and right. I would think that there's that there's two places that that Kree is coming from on this. One being that. Uh, that he's obviously trying to keep this a secret and he doesn't want her to know. And the other that I'm sure he's offended, you know, that he's like, no, 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 I'm the one calling the shots yeah. here, you know, cause we see that a little bit like, uh, Grievous is kind of that way. And, uh, the, uh, the Nemoidians are kind of that way where they're kind of saying, Oh, you know, like, I don't want to, we don't want to deal with these Jedi. We were told that this wasn't going to happen, you know, like this deal's getting worse yeah. all the time. As to 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 paraphrase a quote from uh, Lando Calrissian, I yeah. uh, you know like they they're constantly saying to to essentially Dooku or Sidious, look you know this doesn't seem cool this this is not all right we we're supposed to be the ones in charge here but you keep changing the game plan yes yeah. you know which is the perspective I think that that Lando ends up in 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 uh, Empire with Vader pulling his strings and Lando thinks he's in control of the situation and that, you know, he might have to hand over Han, but at least he can save princess Leia and Chewbacca. But then he finds out, look, you're not in control here. The Sith are in control. They're always in control. And I think that, that free is sort of like not wanting to accept that, that he's a little bit like, no, 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 no. Look, this is the death watch. They're the ones behind us. Uh, You know, don't worry. Everything's fine. Just, just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Go ahead. Uh, meanwhile, at the mines, Obi-Wan awakens to find himself suspended upside down within a containment field, sliding down a conveyor belt towards a rock crusher. He uses his comm link to contact Satine. Satine receives his distress call within her hidden earpiece and excuses herself from the governor's company. It's pretty funny. She manages to... Uh, make all of her responses to Obi-Wan also responses to yeah. Free so she can get away from it. It worked for both of them, situation. yeah. 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 Uh, Satine arrives at the mine, uh, mine aboard a speeder bike and races to the control mechanism, driving the conveyor belt. Just as she deactivates the device, the Mandalorian warriors return. Obi-Wan, freed from his restraints, springs forward, uh, springs towards the warriors and knocks them unconscious. The two trespassers race to the surface elevator and ascend to the moon's surface. In the gouged hillside, Kenobi and Satine continue continue to run afoul of Mandalorian warriors. The place is crawling with them. Uh, <laughs> Kenobi is unarmed. The Mandalorians have confiscated his weapon. Before long, the Death Watch leader arrives, an armored Mandalorian with a distinctive trident pa- painted on his helmet. The ruthless leader shoots a fallen Mandalorian in disgust over his failure. Uh, that was a pretty crazy scene right there. Uh, yeah. You know, we got Vizsla coming in. I mean, we know it's Vizsla as he's, as he's walking in. Um, and just a straight up, just, you're not doing what you're supposed to do? Wham, he's out of here. You know, bye-bye. Yeah. Um, the leader removes his helmet, revealing Free Vizsla underneath. He is carrying Kenobi's lightsaber and tosses it to the Jedi before reaching his own weapon, reaching for his own weapon. An ancient lightsaber stolen from the Jedi Temple 
during the fall of the old republic. That thing is awesome, <laughs> by the way. There's a little bit of a debate going on on the site on clonewarspodcast.com. Uh, under, under the, I posted a video of this a couple of days before the episode right. went on. Uh, before the episode aired. And, uh, and it shows him igniting the lightsaber, the, the, the dark saber as everybody's calling it. Um, and it makes a very different sound. It's kind of got this more harmonic sound to it. It's, it's more of a, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Crouching Tiger, Hidden yeah. Dragon and the way that the, uh, sounded familiar that the sword, what was that sword called? The jade, jade something? Uh, yeah. God, what was it? Yeah. I think you're on it. The jade something. That's years and years and years ago. Uh, I cannot remember. It's been so long since I watched it, but yeah, it kind of makes this singing sound as they wield it. And, and it's sort of the same with this lightsaber. It's, it's operating on a different frequency yeah. than modern lightsabers. Yeah. Actually, I think I have a clip of it too. And, yeah, and uh, it looks awesome. It's kind of got this electric, static look to it where it's got these, like, white pieces of static electricity kind of streaming across it. Um, and it, su- it looks like it sucks in light more than it produces light. And, uh, and But we've got this debate going on about how this doesn't seem right, you know, that, that some people think that there's only, that there should only be blue, green, uh, red, and in the one case, a purple lightsaber running around in Star Wars. And, uh, and I don't know, I, I disagree. I think that it's, it's silly to get too crazy yeah. with it, but um, what I went on and commented was, look, it doesn't matter what you want to think. This is G-level candy. Yeah. There are now officially black. black lightsabers in the Star Wars universe. That black lightsaber in The Force Unleashed is now vindicated. You know, it's not just a cool yeah. look. It is also part of canon. Um, and we've also seen, you know, we see purple. We see, uh, we've seen yellow in the comic books and video games and other stuff. Um, orange, gold. Yeah. You know, there's been there's been a lot of different lightsaber colors. So uh, and and I mean, even most recently, uh, on on lightsaber lost, we saw that I went back and I watched it, I watched that Very scene, end. and uh, Tanube's lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. Tanube. Huh, it was right on the tip of my tongue. Tanube's uh, lightsaber is in fact yeah. silver. It's sort of like a white right. silver cover color. Um, and and I think that that is a callback to to the original Star Wars when it was first released, and that the lightsabers didn't quite have that distinct coloring yet. Uh, Luke's lightsaber kind of had this silvery look to it, and not really the blue. Um, so yeah, I you know it, it's sort of a silly thing to argue about. I think that it only makes it yeah. cooler. And uh, and this dark saber is definitely cool. And you know the the whole construction of it is different. Yeah. So. I think that that, that adds oh, a lot. Yeah. Well, I'll save my uh, comments on that after the next uh, thing here. Okay. Uh, Kenobi and Visa cross blades. Though Visa acquits himself well for a warrior without the Force, he is still outmaneuvered by Kenobi. Visa escapes by sending the last of his warriors to finish off Kenobi with their rocket packs. Obi-Wan and Satine leap into a mineshaft 
to avoid the explosive rockets. So I. This lightsaber was stolen from your Jedi temple by my ancestors during the fall of the Old Republic. Since then, many Jedi have died upon its blade. Prepare yourself to join them. Warriors, finish him! Satine? So like you said, Mike, you had that distinctive sound and we saw and we heard it right there. It was yeah. it was a neat sound. Yeah. And you also talked about the design, which I thought was great too, because they gave it like an antique sort of I mean, when you look at it, you th you think old, you, yeah. know, you think it's been around a while. And uh, Visa talks about how he stole it. Uh, years and years ago uh, from the Jedi Temple and that he's actually killed Jedi with it. So, And it was actually a different kind of blade. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you noticed it was actually... Uh, almost it's flat a flat blade, blade. yeah. yeah. And, uh, no, I thought that was really cool. I mean, I, I'm, I love it, you know. A great fight scene, too. I mean, it's a really good, yeah. a really good fight scene. You can see why Vizsla has uh, claimed some Jedi. Uh, you know, Obi-Wan's one of the best you know, fighters in the Jedi Council or Jedi period. Well, he's one of the most powerful Jedi oh, yeah. we know of, right? So, um, but, almost, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to clear something up for everybody. He says that it was stolen from the Jedi Temple during the fall oh, of the Old Republic. The Old Republic, obviously, there's the video game coming out, there's the Knights of the Old Republic video games, and, and there's the Tales of the Jedi comics. This lightsaber, from what from from what I know, like from my Star Wars knowledge, looks like it predates all of that. When he says that they stole it from the Jedi Temple, I don't think that he means that the Mandalorians attacked the Jedi Temple, killed a bunch of a bunch of Jedi, and then they took this lightsaber from them. I think that what he, what he's trying to say is that the Old Republic fell. And then, like, the Jedi Temple was just kind of left to be ransacked. And at some point, the Mandalorians went in there and just sort of sacked the place. And this was one of the many artifacts that they took. Because, as we know from the video games and from the comics and everything, lightsabers in that old Republic, which is only a couple of thousand years ago, um, they're, they're mostly the same. I mean, there were more colors, obviously, running around. Uh, and uh, and they were a little bit different, but for the most part, they were the same sort of thing. Um, and that this, the, the Darksaber predates those. That this is like one of the oh, yeah. first lightsabers. And that's why it looks so ancient, and it's a completely different design and construction and yeah. all that sort of thing. So I just wanted to put yeah. that out there. That yeah. Uh, at daybreak, Kenobi and Satine arrive at the Mandalore spaceport where her starship, the Coronet, is ready for departure. Anakin Skywalker, Co Clone Captain Rex, and Clone Commander Cody are also there. 
ready to escort the Duchess on her journey to Coruscant. Kenobi is convinced the Separatists are backing Death Watch, but Satine disagrees. Regardless, she does not want the Republic meddling in Mandalorian affairs, and will voyage to Coruscant to make her position known in person. And that's where we end. So, yeah, that's that's the episode. So I, I don't know. You know what? Like it's it's a it was a good episode. I'm not going to say it was a bad right. episode. I, it definitely didn't live up to the. No, hype that's what I was leading up of. to. It. I think I think that we were hyped up. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm partly to blame. Uh, most of you guys probably noticed that Friday night, Thursday and Friday, I was all over the place. I was all over Twitter and Facebook just posting up a storm because from the couple of clips that I had seen, it looked like this was going to be a really action-packed episode and that it was going to be really cool and intense. Um, but what it ended up being was an episode one. Yeah. <laughs> kind of so building everything it had up a lot of really, Yeah, it had a lot of cool moments. It was really more setting the stage for what's to come. Yeah. Well, and obviously we haven't seen the end of The Mandalorians. Uh, Pre gets away and uh, and I mean all of the Mandalorians except for that one that got shot uh, get away. So we're gonna see a yeah. lot more of them. So this was sure. this didn't be, beat uh, Trespass for you then? <laughs> I no, know. it didn't. That, I I posted that that it might right like that this might be the episode that takes it down. We got some more. But, Let's see. Yeah, we got some more this season, but you know what? Uh, uh, the the further we get into this series, the more I think you know they might have peaked a little soon for me, that they might have pulled off that perfect episode right in the first season. So I don't know. We'll see. Know. They got we got a lot of episodes yeah. after the series, so they have a lot of chances to prove me wrong on that one. I but, think. Uh, I think. Well, I said I said this earlier to you. Uh, that this might be one of those three-part arcs that work well or work a lot better together yeah. as one than just one-offs if you just watch them alone. But uh, some of the high points for me, um, I love the banter between Satine and Obi-Wan. Um, obviously, they know each other, and it's going to be interesting to find out uh, the history behind the two, uh, if there is any, but they certainly, certainly uh, allude to the fact that there's some kind of history. So... Looking forward to that. Uh, Death Watch. I'm, I'm glad they have that in there. Uh, obviously a great look. Um, they did a fantastic job with recreating, uh, you know, the Django Fett, Boba Fett look. So I like that. Um, ship designs were good. Uh, we get to see some new yeah. ships from the, the Mandalore's use. Um, and then I, I talked about earlier about how I love the, uh, the line from Visa as he's walking up to Obi-Wan where he says, Failure. To one of his uh, one of his goons and just and uh, shoots him point blank pretty much, and then I also kind of like some of the arrogance that Visa shows uh, Obi Wan during the end there at the lightsaber fight. He's like, "Here you go, here's your lightsaber." You know, normally you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't give a, a lightsaber to a Jedi when you're going to fight him. That's probably the last thing you want to do. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, he's pretty confident. He's saying, "Here you go, here's your lightsaber." You know, I got mine and I got my skills and let's do it. So. Those are some of the high points for me. Uh, obviously, not it's not going to be my favorite episode, um, but uh, you know, it was, I think I might have liked it a little more than you did after the second or third time I watched it. I was like, oh, okay, this is starting to sink in. And after that first initial watch, where you're you're so hyped up, you know, and you kind of just let yeah. let it go, and then just kind of sit down and and watch it. 
I really enjoyed it. So we'll see how it goes with the rest of the. Uh, this I think it's going to be a three-part arc. Looks like. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, it's looking like that, and I think, uh, I think I, I think you're right. I think it will sort of pick up, and I and I do need to go back and sort of watch it again, uh, and maybe with less of the uh, expectation yeah. that I yeah. had at first. But yeah. So uh, let's. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll head on over to the uh, mailbag, huh? Right, yeah. Mailbag. Yeah. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, head flight, weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Okay, for our mailbag today, we have one from Jason Hunt, and he is Boyd on the forums, and uh, this is the first one we've gotten from Boyd, and uh, it's got a little bit of length to it, so I'm going to try to get through it pretty quick here. Uh, he says, hey, Mike and Matt, uh, I've been meaning to write in uh, for each of the episodes that have aired this month, so I decided to combine it all now. Here we go. Grievous entry. For this episode, I wanted to comment on the choice of bringing back Eve Koth. Personally, I was really happy they brought him back. I never really liked the way uh, they got rid of him in the first place. Just because the new actor makeup didn't match, they didn't have to get rid of him. And the only place they referenced that uh, he was killed was in the two sentence blurb and the inside the worlds of attack of the clone source book. Personally, a Jedi master on the council deserves a little more than that. Uh, he goes on to talk about the, the deserter. Uh, this episode was my least favorite of the month, but, uh, I still thought it was good. The conversations brought up by Rex and cut had a very interesting subject matter, but they didn't grab my attention. By the way, the clone in the Cestus Deception that you were trying to reference took the name Django, Django Tat, brother of Django, and died uh, saving the citizens of Cestus. Um, Lightsaber Lost, I really liked this episode. It was simple, straightforward, and introduced my favorite new character besides Cad Bane, Tara Sanube. Uh, Tara Sanube was an awesome character and had the coolest lightsaber ever. Sorry, Darth Maul. Uh, oh, maybe I can clear up a little confusion here. Ioni Marcy was Nak Muvridge's girlfriend, and Banamu tells the Jedi that he stays at her place a lot. Okay, I didn't pick up on that, but that makes sense there. Uh, my guess is the, that Ioni told her friend Cassie that Nak had purchased a lightsaber, and together they decided to steal it for themselves. And then the last one is the Mandalorian plot. First off, I want to preface this by saying I've read 90% of Karen Travis's books, so I probably come at this whole Mandalorian issue from a different angle than most. I thought that what they did here was great. The Mandalorian cities and societies seem very th thought out and deliberate. And even though at the moment they are trying to be peaceful, I can see that there is still the, that warrior pride just below the surface trying to get out. And we finally see Dooku. He's got that all capped there. It's about time he showed, off, uh, showed up this season. I just hope he is a bit more prominent in the second half of season two than in the first half. Oh, before I finish, I just wanted to add something that I think uh, should have been on the best of 2009 list, Cad Bane. Why wasn't the most talked about new character this show has made uh, on the list? Anyway, I've probably talked enough. Thanks for reading. Uh, Jason Hunt Boyd on the forums. And he says, P.S., if, if you don't mind, I would like to try to put together a new introdu introduction for Frontlines that includes Matt in it. If you're okay with it, I'd like to, I'd like it if you could pronounce your last name uh, Matt, so I don't butcher it when I record. Thanks. 
So I got a lot of stuff there. Uh, I guess I'll start with the very end there. He wants to try to put something together. So, hey, we're, I'm sure, I think I speak for Mike. Hey, go for it. We'd, we'd love to hear something. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know hey, what? Hey, yeah, send us something. And, uh, and I mean, obviously, we try and keep it to a certain quality <laughs> here. But, uh, so, like, I just yeah. sort of put that out there. So, I mean, don't just send us, you know, the Star Wars theme with you talking over it because – I could obviously do that myself uh, <laughs> um, if that were the case. So, like, we're, we're looking for something with a little bit more production to it. But uh, but if, if you want to take a try, oh, I have yeah. no problem with it. That uh, that works for me. Um, I've, I've been talking to Steve about redoing the intro for, like, the last month. But I haven't been able to come up. Like, he says, you know, just send me the, what you want me to say and I'll say it. And I just have not been able to come up with anything because I've just been so busy with other stuff. So um, it's not Steve's fault. It's mine uh, that we haven't gotten a new intro, uh, you know, since the beginning of the season. So maybe Jason so, can help us out. We'll find out. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Jason, yeah, go for it. Give us a shot. Give, give it a shot. We will uh, we'll stick it on the, on the next episode if you get it in by uh, by next Tuesday. I'll stick it on the beginning of the next episode and uh, try and record it at uh, 3,200 megahertz, I think is what the end episodes end up recording at, software that we use, uh, so that I don't have to upsample it because I can downsample it. But yeah, weird stuff happens if it's not at the right right thing with the edit software that I use. Uh, but yeah, go for it. And my last go name is it. pronounced uh, Cranky. So if you want to put Matt the Crankster Cranky or whatever, I don't care. Um, but hey, have at it. We'd love to hear what you have to, uh, what you send us. And he, you know, he also yeah, talks I mean, about uh, the 2009 best of list, and that was actually done by Star Wars. And you know, that's a good point that you yeah. bring, bring up. Cat Very Bay was good huge, point. Very uh, good especially point. for me. I, um, he was actually. Uh, He's been my favorite uh, character for a while now, as far as this series is going. Um, I loved his intro back in uh, season one. And, uh, the whole look yeah. and the sound and the voice and everything has just been, you know, spot on, perfect for me. So that's a good point. I, I cut you off a little bit earlier, Mike. Are you going to say something else? No, no, no. I was just going to go into oh, that okay. and say, yeah, sure. That that Cad Bane deserves to be on that list, and. Uh, it's it's kind of silly that he's not. It, it really and I we didn't I we didn't even think about it when we talked about it on the episode a couple weeks ago. But because yeah, we haven't seen him in a while, so. for sure. Yeah, I think he's just not prominent in our yeah. minds. But he is definitely. I mean, I'd put him in the top three best things of two thousand and nine yeah. for Star Wars. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, he's he's awesome, and and you know like. Jason's got a lot of really good stuff here in all of these different yeah. episodes, and we can discuss <laughs> yeah. each one of them and take you know fifteen or twenty minutes a piece. Um, thank you for throwing in the thing about Django Tat. That that was what I was trying to remember. Um, okay. Yeah, and he's this guy's this guy's pretty good. You, you should think about doing some more stuff for us, maybe contributing some writing and that sort of Calling thing. Calling you on the out, site. Jason Hunt. Sarah. Do it. Yeah. So you know what he says. Uh, uh, he's read ninety percent of Karen Travis's books, and and he doesn't seem too upset about what's going on. So you know everybody's got their own feelings and all that. But here's somebody that's has read a lot of Karen Travis, and 
for the most part, he's okay with everything that's going on. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of take it or leave it. I think, I think that people have to sort of look at it, that it's, that it is what it is. And you can sort of, you can think that, that the Karen Travis stuff is better, or you can think that the Clone Wars is better. It's really, it's different, different stuff for the different people who want, you yeah. know, it's just like what you like, right. I guess. So I'm trying to say is that it's just, there's so much of it out there. Just get into what you get into. And that's really what's important. Just that you like Star Wars. You know, we all like Star Wars. We all like different things about Star Wars. I think Obi-Wan Kenobi is the greatest Jedi ever. Some people think it's Luke Skywalker. Some people think it's Yoda. You know, like, it, whatever. It's not a big deal. We don't fight about that. So um, we really shouldn't be arguing about different stories and that they contradict that. The biggest thing for me, I guess, is uh, I was actually watching Robot Chicken Star Wars Episode 2 earlier okay. today. It's a mouthful. Um, and, uh, and at one point, you, you get that crate Dragon sketch uh-huh. that they do. Where the crate dragons sitting there, he's like, "I'm gonna see what's on the other side of that dune, and I'm gonna go out there." And the other crate dragons like, "Look, everybody knows that it's just an endless ocean of desert." And he goes, "What kind of sick freak would would create a world with defined by only one topographical feature?" You know, and it's like that's the whole point of Star Wars. It's like Flash yeah, Gordon, exactly. you know, like. You get into it and you start thinking about it, none of it makes any sense. It's yeah. all ridiculous. So the fact that we're arguing over continuity is kind of silly, you know? I, I, I still kind of hold that I wish that, that George Lucas would respect the artists that he hires a little bit more as opposed to just using them as tools. Uh, like, you know, he's making millions off of these people and uh but he doesn't respect the work that they've done and i mean uh, even to the extent that he's using a lot of the episode one and episode two design concepts on the clone Wars series i that kind of skirts a line with me it's like you know these guys yes you own their art because they worked for you they worked on that movie though. They worked on, on those three movies and to, to just take their art and stick it in a TV show. Yeah. I don't know. Like they better be getting royalties <laughs> or something yeah. like that. I guess that's yeah. what I'm saying is that, you know, Karen Travis better be getting major bucks for, for all the freaking star Wars <laughs> novels. She sold yeah. to George Lucas for him to come around and say, yeah, you know what? I don't care if she did all that work fleshing out the Mandalorian backstory. Uh, I already decided what it was, you know, 30 years ago. And uh, this is what it is. And it's like, if you decided what it was 30 years ago, you should have written something down and let us know. You know, yeah, that should have been out there. You should have shared that. Like, there's got to be a statute of limitations, I guess, on some of these things that you can't go back and just change it because you had an idea when you were 18 years old and uh, and you want that to, to come to fruition. Because um, if that were the case, all the planets would just be everything is a cube, everything. And it, it leads to a whole bunch of other issues with Star Wars that we could go into, but yeah, I don't know. This episode is the last time we're going to talk about this subject. <laughs> yeah. So nobody email us about it. 
this because we're not going to talk yeah, about it on the show anymore. Because I think that we've kind of beaten the horse to death on the whole continuity thing. So let's talk about, let's give some airtime to something yeah. else. Definitely. <laughs> you know? But uh, not that we don't appreciate everybody's comments. I, I do appreciate hearing from all you guys and hearing what you guys have to say and your perspectives. But we're just not going to talk about it on the show anymore because we've kind of beaten the yeah, subject. We got the intro here. We're into the Mandalores and. We'll, yeah. we're, we'll be done with it. So, yeah. okay, um, time for our forum post of the week. So let's get to that. Uh, this one is posted by Obi Wan Fan ninety five on the forums. The post subject is "If you could," and the uh, sentence is "If you could insert any character into the Star Wars movies, who would it be?" And uh, there's been some chatter on the forums about inserting, um, like, Grievous. And uh, I put down, you know, everybody was wanted to see uh, Qui-Gon's ghost in there. Um, you know, we all wanted to see it yeah. more of uh, Darth Maul, I think. In Return of the Jedi, yeah. Oh, yeah, and Darth yeah. Maul further, yeah. But for me, uh, yeah. one of the biggest ones for me was uh, Episode Three. I wanted to see more Vader. Um, I think a lot of people... You know, this is a return of Vader, and we only got a few seconds of it. Yeah. Kind of disappointing for me. I mean, I know what they were trying to go for. It was more Anakin's journey and the end and and all that. But, man, it would have been so cool to see a little bit more of them. Um, just give me a, anything, a force choke. I don't know. Light up the lightsaber one time. Anything that would have been so sweet. But, uh, you know, and we have the uh, Clone Wars TV show that we're talking about now. And... Uh, we talked about this before, where we can we can take some of these characters that we're starting to really get into, the Rexes and the Ahsokas, and maybe see those inserted in the movie someday. I don't know. You know, that's just something that though we'll find out some time from now. But uh, those are some of the other things that I would like to see inserted into the movies someday. I don't know if you got any particulars that you'd like to see, Mike. Uh, well, I've got lots of Star Wars edits that I would make, but, uh, I'm gonna go a little bit outside the box. I'm gonna go to other franchises entirely. Uh, let's see. What would I like to see in Star Wars? What do I have kicking around this place? Oh, it's a character. You gotta gotta pick a character, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah, a character (laughs) that I would want to see. Oh, this, this is difficult. I thought this was gonna be easy. Uh, huh. Who would I want to see fighting a Jedi? Yeah. That's the thing, right? Uh, I'd like to see some <laughs> Highlanders because as we get in into the, I think the second Highlander movie, you find out that they're actually aliens from another planet. So uh, you can go with them. Uh, the the Predator. I think seeing a Predator in the Star Wars universe would be kind of cool. Um, I think that they would fit right in. Uh, and then along those same lines, you can oh, get the aliens. There we go. Xenomorphs from alien movies. Um, I would like to see a Jedi fight all three <laughs> of those things. I just, yeah. Like, who would? Like, uh, each one of those things is awesome, right? Like, the Highlander versus a Jedi. Highlanders are mortal, but a lightsaber yeah. can cut anything. I guess you know? I didn't read the post. And But their swords are magic, so... No, no, no. I know, I was just thinking there. that. Everybody else he didn't say Star Wars character. He said any character. No, no. Yeah. He just said if you could insert a character <laughs> oh, into any of the Star go. Wars movies, who would it be? 
So I would insert I would insert Sean Connery's uh, character from the first Highlander go. movie into into uh, into one of the, any of the Star Wars movies. I would insert him uh, into Revenge <laughs> of the Sith. Okay, I would insert him into Revenge of the Sith as one of, and he'd be like a Jedi. And uh, and the clone troopers would try and kill him on Order sixty six, and they'd shoot him and shoot him and shoot him, but he'd just be like. Is that the best you've got? You know, that sort of thing. Because he's an immortal. So they just shoot him and shoot him and shoot him. And he'd just be like, you can't kill me. <laughs> Good accent right there. You know, it was terrible. Ter- <laughs> I did a terrible impression. But, uh, I, okay, good point, yeah. Yeah, so that's, there we go. No, no Legolas, no Gimli, no Aragorn, nothing like that, huh? Okay. No, there's only one trilogy, and it's uh, the Star Wars trilogy. Oh, wow. Good it's times. Walking, yeah. Don't talk yeah. <laughs> All right. Alrighty. Let's get to the upcoming episode description here. Um, looks like it's going to be titled Voyage of Temptation. And uh, the tag is As the Jedi and their clones defend Duchess Satine from assassination attempts, Anakin, Anakin discovers that Obi Wan and the Duchess have a history together. Protecting a Mandalorian duchess is not as easy as it looks. I remember a time when Jedi were peacekeepers. Especially when you have to fight these guys. <laughs> and these guys. They're everywhere! Reinforcements are on their way. Oh, great. And these guys. That's not good. Watch the brand new Star Wars The Clone Wars. So here we go. We got Anakin coming back. We have looks like we we're gonna find out a little bit more of this Obi Wan and uh, Duchess Satine history. So uh, and then of course the Mandos are still here. So um, we'll see how it goes with the second episode, and uh, hopefully it's just gonna keep building up to the to the end here or to the uh, to the third one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. Uh, you know, more more of what we got last Friday oh, yeah. is good by me. Uh, it, it was still a good episode. It just wasn't as good as I think they right. hyped it up to be. So, um, hopefully, one of these other episodes will yeah. set that straight, kind of sneak up on put us that or back. Uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, I'm psyched. Yeah. I'm psyched. It sounds cool. This is sort of what we've been waiting for. This is one of those things that was shown to us in the trailers months, yeah. months and months, months and months ago. And now we're finally getting to see it. So, Definitely. yeah. Uh, so one last piece of business that we've got, and that is, uh, that is the contest. And, uh, two things can happen here and now we can either do the contest or we cannot. <laughs> um, I think we should wait one week. You want to wait? Yeah. You Cause we've been, so, okay. we've been so, so slammed. we're yeah. going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't even like, I haven't even talked to you since last week. So I I think that's why this sort of snuck up on us again. Um, so yeah, I but all of the entries are in. So if you emailed in January to either me or Matt, um, you will be yeah. entered in this contest. Uh, and then we're gonna announce the winner next week. Uh, if if anybody out there knows of any way that like any sort of like something online or something that I can just put a bunch of names into push a button and have it randomly pick one person, send me an email. 
Well, if anybody sends me an email with an answer to that, it's in the contest like with, with a solution to that. Problem, <laughs> They're in. That you get, you get to be in the contest, yeah. even though you're like a week late. So, uh, yeah. Um, and to answer a question that was asked on the Facebook, uh, on on the Facebook page, uh, multiple emails in a month will not get you multiple entries, um, and that's just sort of out of fairness some people don't have access to a computer as easily as others um and i don't want to uh i don't want to punish those people so uh sebastian ignat's the one who asked that question and it's not i'm not trying to you know take away from the fact that he's one of the major contributors over there or on the or the people who contribute a lot on the boards or i know like aaron ultimus emails me all the time and uh, and for sure, you know, like I appreciate that, but you guys are on the computers all the time, and I know that some of the kids out there, uh, you know, the younger ones especially, they have to ask their parents before they can get online, so they might only get the opportunity once a month, or maybe twice a month to uh, to send us an email. Whereas uh, Sebastian and Aaron, I know that you guys, I get like two or three a month from you guys uh minimum <laughs> i know i've got let's see i got one two yeah i got i got two in my inbox for january uh from from aaron and i've got like three from sebastian and i've got a couple from david webster and you know like a few of these guys they, they you, you guys email us all the time and you're regular contributors so um i don't want to take anything away from that but i do want to give everybody the equal opportunity so um, send in multiple emails every month for sure. If you've got something you want to say, say it. Uh, just know that that's not, you know, you can't stack yeah. the contest essentially. And, you know, that also stops you guys from just emailing me with, you know, your grocery <laughs> list and stuff like that so that you can get yeah. more entries into the contest. Because um, at, at a certain point, it, it, you guys might not be the ones to take advantage of it, but somebody might decide to. And start using that as, uh, you know, to take advantage and, and always yeah. win every month. So and don't forget to include uh, your uh, address. Yeah, and moving forward, everybody who emails in, please include your address so that we don't have to hunt. It'll you just take longer for us to get the, the uh, prizes out. So yeah, try to remember that. Yeah, which reminds me, I, uh, Bo, your your prize is on the way. He got it. He got it. I don't know if you've. So yeah, he posted oh, he, on he the uh, forums that he got it. So, yeah. Oh, did he? Awesome. Okay. Good. Cool. Cool. Yeah, because I emailed that a couple weeks ago, um, and I hadn't heard anything back. But that's my own fault because I don't read the forums yeah. enough. I'm yeah. sorry, guys. Uh, I just got called <laughs> out right there. I just, called I just yourself called myself out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and I'll maybe I'll try in the next week or so to post pictures of of the prize for January. Because I know that a couple of people have asked about that, uh, what they look like and all that sort of thing. Um, but with that, that go. is our episode. Uh, wrap things up. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check us out online at clonewarspodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Our username is Clone Wars over there. So that's twitter.com slash Clone Wars. We could not have made that any simpler for you guys. Uh, you can head over to Facebook to join our group and to join the fan page. The fan page can be found at facebook.com slash Clone Wars Podcast. 
And uh, and as always, join us on the Geek Out Loud forums at geekoutpodcast.com slash forums. Uh, we've been having a bit of an issue over on the forums with spam lately, but we're working on it. So uh, anybody who's concerned about that, yes, it's happening. It's It's been a bit of an issue lately, and uh, I'm just taking a look. I don't think that we have any up right now, but every once in a while we'll sort of get like super spammed, and one person yeah. will go on and just post yeah. like six things. And, uh, and I'm talking to Steve and the other mods over there about this. And I'm going to talk to them about getting some mods, promoting some of you guys who are on the forums all the time to, uh, to mods so that you can monitor this stuff for me when I'm not yeah. around to do that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's not still an awesome place to get in there and talk. We are still the most active forum on the, uh, on the boards on the Geek Out Loud boards. So uh, let's keep it that way by posting lots and lots and lots more. Uh, yeah, because we're at 2310. Uh, we have more than just the unmentionables, which is just where anybody can post about anything they want. We have more posts in ours at, at 2310, and they've got 2210. So we're beating them by 100 posts. We are that awesome. And even the Geek Out Loud has only got 1,806. So that's why I say you guys are, are awesome. You are the most active podcast listeners that I have ever seen. So uh, get out there and uh, and let's uh, let's let's send a deluge of, of emails to, uh, to Celebration 5 so that we can get our press status. And then we can get in there and we can cover everything Sweet. for you guys. Uh, and they will know that we are a yes. force to be reckoned with. Um, and then uh, one last little piece. We're working on t-shirts. They should be coming soon. Hopefully I have something for you nice. guys next week on good the podcast. About that. Uh, other than that, I think we're good. So that, that is, is it, it we for will this see week. We'll see you all next week. Okay, may the force be with you guys. Bye.